If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Today on Barbecue and Tech, we actually have with us a French chain, French trained chef, Calvin Riley. Now, you know that we're backyard pitmasters and we like to do our thing, but you can always learn something from someone else. And that's why this week you guys are going to get something from a chef. Uh, I'll say Chris dreamed up this episode. And as we started talking, when we first started talking, I thought he was crazy. But then as we started talking, I realized I have a bunch of questions. So let's just jump right onto it. Chris, do you want to introduce uh, Calvin? I do. So, folks, understand a second episode where we've grabbed you a phenomenal guest. My man, Calvin, is a friend of mine who, I, oh, my God, I think we're going on about 20 years of friendship now. We started okay. in the IT world together and, uh, you know, we've kind of moved separate paths and, uh, he stayed, we stayed in IT in different companies. And then this guy went and did my dream. He went to, uh, cooking school, came a chef, been opening restaurants, had his own restaurant for a little while and is now about to impart some knowledge on us and, uh, on our crew. So Calvin, how you doing, my buddy? Doing great, doing great. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Man, no, thank you for taking time out of your day to come through and come holler at us, man. You know, we, 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 you know, for folks to understand, like I trained Calvin when he first came into the IT department, you know, <laughs> and then, uh, Calvin helped me become a much better bowler. He was a beast. Were you still bowling any, by the way? I haven't picked up a bowling ball in probably 10 years, man. This dude was the first beast bowler that I ever seen. A nasty curve uh, on his ball, just strike after strike. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. I got to step my game up. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so we were in a bowling league together. We've partied together. We've broke bread together. We've drank together. We've worked together. I mean, I've known this guy for a long, long time. I was always happy to see his success. And, uh, and, and see him make moves. And, uh, so when I had an opportunity to kind of continue on a series we've been doing is, which is getting some expertise aside from our own. I was like, I, I got the, the first person I asked was, was him as far as, uh, this particular topic. And, you know, I figured, you know, we had an episode where Rod and I, Definitely uh, went, went through our favorite rubs that we like to use for barbecue. And I said, man, wouldn't it be dope? Because we still have a lot of people that make their own rubs. How dope would it be to kind of get some expert opinion on seasonings, approach to seasonings? 
and uh and and i was like yo can you come on and you calvin was like yeah i'm coming so this is so dope man and, and we on top of that recently he just did an outdoor cook so you know and he where he whipped up his own rubs so that is pretty dope dude. oh my gosh Guys, I am so sorry. If I don't answer this door, it's going to keep ringing. No, go go get it, man. And here, here's the funny the funny thing about it. Go ahead and get your door. Um, we, this is why we call it Barbecue and Tech. We're all into technology, and you can see that Calvin has Alexa chiming in the background. So yeah, go grab your door. Chris and I will hold it down until you get back so it stops bothering you for a little bit here. All right, yeah. give me two seconds. You're I'm good. so sorry. You're good. So, yeah. Rod, so he just did an outdoor cook where he uh, – actually whipped up a rub uh for what he was doing so i'm gonna i, I definitely want to hear what he did and uh and uh how, how the cook actually went out he did like a little pop-up joint uh with his expertise and then uh that, it, yeah go ahead. so was it like was it like traditional barbecue like we do or was it I, so i didn't go into more detail really okay all I, right I, I didn't go into detail because i wanted to kind of keep it organic the conversation aspect of it so i didn't want to go and he just told me that he was doing it and he actually just whipped up a rub and so we'll see what approach he took to doing that but uh i think this is gonna be fun i mean i i i think we had a really good episode last week with tyler and that was fantastic and huge apologies to him because when we were doing the show, the program we used to record, I could only see chef. And when I heard them say his name, I heard Ty- Taylor, not Tyler. Right. So when I did the show notes, I put that in. So a big apologies to him because there's nothing so. more embarrassing that you, when you get someone's name wrong and my brain just said it and I, and I never validated it with you cause I didn't think I misheard it. Uh, so of course you're looking at the show notes and you literally just missed it throughout the show yeah, notes because honestly uh, it was only in the title that you did that it because yeah. in the in the first sentence you actually did it right did I really yeah so oh, it, that's it even was worse. only in the title so so I'm totally the jerk on that one all right yeah, fair so, enough but he was cool about it he laughed and he loved the episode he went back and listened to it so yeah so shout out to uh pitmaster Tyler for hanging out with us but uh Calvin um tell tell these folks man um how how you got into uh becoming a chef in the first place um i feel like i've been cooking man all my life and for some reason you know un- unknown to me people just seem to like it so um and and i, I actually enjoy cooking so you know as you so eloquently um you know talked about earlier um you know i was working i was in it you know, for for you know, pretty long time, man. And when the economy crashed in '07, I got laid off and um, decided I was going to go to culinary school um, and just do what I wanted to do. What was my passion? You know, that's what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. That's so it's, dope, man. It's, it's probably it's like the best thing. It's it's like when it happens, it's like the worst thing. You're like, I laid off. I don't have work. How am I going to survive? Yeah, but in retrospect, you look at it, it's the best thing because it forced you down a career path of something you are passionate about and love doing. So, uh, um, never love yeah, never like to hear people getting laid off, but man, I'll tell you when it, when it gets you to where you want to be, where you can look back on this and say, this was the best thing that ever happened to me. That's yeah. uh, I think it's a good thing. And, and I mean, I wouldn't even say it was a, it was a difficult decision. Um, you know, I was, I was beginning to burn out. So, it was it was actually 
you know, just the right door opening at the right time, you know? Yeah. So how, when you, when you go to a school for cooking, like, I mean, are you, again, I'm not a, I've never done this. So is it, is it a multi-year process for you? Is it, uh, and then you're a sous chef underneath somebody else or you know, no, you work the line, then you become a sous chef, <laughs> then you, you move your way. Trust me. Uh, it's a long haul. Like what is, what was, what was the experience like from going from essentially, I'd say a home cook is to yep. what you were at one point to where you're at today. Um, it's, it's, I mean, it's a complete diff. It's completely different. Um, and if you don't have, if you've never worked in a restaurant before, um, you know, it's, it's definitely, um, a rude awakening. Um, <laughs> is it because, just is the know, speed of everything? I'm assuming. Well, well, the, the speed, the intensity, um, but, but even more important and more important, the fluidity, you know, the way that uh, people move, it's literally, it's, it's graceful chaos. And to watch the chef be the conductor of this chaos, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing to watch. So when I went to school, um, I, I actually was working, I, I got the opportunity to work in restaurants while I was in school. Um, so I would work, I would go to school at night and I was working in restaurants at the, in, you know, during the day. And when I, I started at the, at, at the very bottom, you know, I started out off as a prep cook, making probably $11 an hour. Um, but the experience that I gained, you know, that was, that again, was just supplementing the knowledge that I received in culinary school. And, you know, just so we're clear, culinary school only, they teach you, you know, techniques, and they teach you, you know, how to, they teach you flavor profiles. So understanding how certain, um, certain flavors go well together, certain ingredients go well together, understanding how to balance salt versus heat versus fat versus acid, how to create a perfect balance um, for the dish you're trying to create. Those are the things that you learn in culinary school. But, you know, take away the school. There's nothing more valuable than um, practical application. So doing it, you know, repetitiously every day, um, tasting, burning things, um, undercooking things, um, you know, failing. Those are the things that 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 really, really, really get you to a level where you can get on a podcast. So, so here, here's a curious question I have for you. And I apologize, Chris, cause you talked a lot last time. So you're going to have to sit on the sidelines <laughs> hey man, a little bit. My man's here. Do your thing. Um, when you watch shows like, uh, with like Gordon Ramsay, just shredding people. I know a lot of it's for theater, but do you look at that and say, no, I've had a chef that pretty much would do that to you, your dishes and stuff like that. Or is that like, nope, way too play to people don't treat people like that in the restaurant business. um <laughs> well i mean it, it's kind of frowned upon nowadays to 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 talk to another human being the way that <laughs> gordon ramsay and, and some others have you know made millions of dollars doing it and a lot of that is theatrics but you know but you know don't don't be confused there are some chefs out there um who are that intense and but who the- are just the chaos we see in those kitchens is real. Oh yes. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. 
to that rush, that trying to get things on the line, making like the chef saying, this is not cooked, right? Sending it back. Yeah. Like all oh, that yeah. is, that's, that's, that's authentic. That is all really what you feel in a restaurant. That's pretty I've, cool, man. I've lived, breathed and, and done all of those things. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So yeah. My, my cooking experience never took me to where I was, had a chef at the pass through, you know, I went as far as I managed to pass through. My, you know, mm-hmm. so I'm cooking and I'm putting in the pass through, but I'm also the kitchen manager. So I'm like, okay, where's my salad that's going with this meal? You know, I'm regulating the ticket. So I right. know most of what you've gone through. I just haven't had that last part where it's like, hey, take this back and do it again or something like that. But all, <laughs> all the rush and I, I've, you know, I've told stories on here where, you know, I'm working in a restaurant and I see the two, uh, tour buses pull up. You know what I mean? It's like batting down oh, yeah. the hatchets. You know what I'm saying? That's an experience that I, I you know, it's, it's just hard to describe. You know what I mean? But I attribute my ability to cook a lot of barbecue at the same time to my experience at a restaurant and being able to time things out and be like, okay, I got this. I got this. When is this coming out? When is that coming out? And so we try to impart some of that knowledge to our listeners so they can, you know, cause everybody's going to put on a barbecue at some point. That's probably listening to this show. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. So, should we start with his rub that he's done and the recipe he's about to give us? Well, no, I'm joking. Uh, should, we, <laughs> should we start? Should we start with the barbecue or should we? Because I know you want to do like seasonings and meat profiles and like some of that background, but where do you want to jump this off at, Chris? Uh, so, for me, I, the main thing is I've gained a lot of understanding and experience through trial and error, is what Calvin it was describing, but I really would like to hear, you know, some solidification of why certain things work. So when it comes to seasonings, Calvin, and you mentioned the profiles, you know, you have your sweet, your savory. Um, what is your approach to generating a rub in the first place? Like, what do you, what is the profile that you'd like to go through? And then how do you typically try to access that profile? Sure. Um, I want to get, um, you know, I definitely want, you know, a, a nice, a nice a saltiness, but even more importantly, I want, I want the sweetness. I want to, I want to, I want the sweet and the salt to marry each other. Um, so that, that's really what I'm looking for. Um, so I'm going to, I, any meats that I cook, um, typically if I'm doing a steak, the only thing I'm using is salt and pepper. To season, no, uh, no onion powder, no nothing. Just salt no, 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 salt and pepper. Um, and 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 again, and again, you know, when you're talking about different cuts of meat, um, there's going to be a different flavor. Um, so you know, for example, with a ribeye mm-hmm. or some short ribs, I mean, you're going to get a lot of that the flavor from the the, the fatty tissue. That that's in that meat. So I mean, again, salt and pepper because the salt is going to accentuate the natural flavor. So that's what I'm going for. So is that on, what, on the, on, so, so is that's what's happening with salt? Is 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 really just kind of more opening up your palate to to receive the natural flavor of the, the meat. natural flavors. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. So, um, all right with. And I'm not going to argue with salt and pepper. I'm not. I'm not going to question your cooking. Let's be perfectly honest here. But um, in a restaurant, are you guys? Are you grinding your own pepper, 
or you guys, no, we, we don't do all that kind of stuff. No, 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 no. In my, and so, so again, I, I just recently closed a restaurant. Um, I, I, I take pride. I take pride in doing things, um, from scratch. So as natural, um, as you can possibly do them. Right. So yeah, I'm, I'm getting peppercorns. I'm grinding peppercorns, okay. you know, whether it's black, uh, black, red, white peppercorn, I'm grinding my peppercorns. Um, if, and, and when I have the opportunity to get um, spices in their natural form, I'm grinding my spices. Hmm. So that more requires a dry spice then if you're going to do that, right? If you're going to grind it. Correct. Up yeah. Yeah. Yep. And is that yep. now, do you go as far as trying to dry the spice out yourself or are you just getting those pretty much dried out? That's that you can just uh, grind them. I'm a little bit of both, a little okay. bit of both. You, you know, sometimes if, if you, if I have the time, um, you know, it's, and I like to do it, especially with peppers. Um, I'll get peppers. Uh, I grow peppers. And, and, you know, and when I had the restaurant, I had a dehydrator. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so I could dry them all the way out and then grind them, and, you know, into a nice powder. Um, those, those are the things that, you know, and I, I very rarely get to do that. But, you know, when I do, those, those things are definitely being included in, in my rubs. It's funny because I've been thinking about a dehydrator for some time now because um, I just harvested all my scotch bonnet peppers again for the year. Yes. And, um, you know, we, being Jamaicans, it's one of my favorite things to grow. Mm-hmm. And, uh, making my own jerk rub and uh, stuff like that. But part of me felt like if I could get a dehydrator, I could make a dry, a better. I've never had a dry jerk rub that I've liked. You know, they've been okay, but nothing okay. compares to the wet version that I make. It's just, you know, it marinates better. It just tastes better. But I was like, I bet you I could probably make my own attempt to make a dry version if I had gotten getting into dehydrating some of these vegetables. And it would make it easier to store, right? You know, I got like yeah. two gallon bags sitting in my freezer full of scotch bonnets from last year. And then I just reaped another, you know, <laughs> season of it. So it's like, I, I got to find a better way to store this stuff um, out there. Go ahead, Rod. I, I was going to, I'm a, Obviously, in a restaurant, you're using a commercial dehydrator. Do you also dehydrate your uh, your peppers at home, like with like a, just a home style? One? No, I haven't done anything at home, but uh, with, with a dehydrator. But um, Chris was talking about growing Scotch bonnets last year. I had um, Carolina Reapers. Ooh, um, and and I because I couldn't dehydrate those, I pickled them. Mm. And, and 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 made a, a really really good hot sauce um, with with the Carolina Reapers, um, but this year this year I have just some both years I had jalapenos this year I have jalapenos and and habaneros and, and you know instead of Carolina Reapers, nice. but I I would love I would love I would absolutely love to get some Scotch bonnet. I'll put some in a bag. You can have them this week. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> That's no problem. But 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 getting back getting back to your question, um, yes, at, at I want to get a, a dehydrator for for home use as well. Um, but you know, and and again, there's def- definitely a lot of benefits with the tools and the accessibility to um, commercial things. You know, working in a commercial kitchen that yeah, I know. you just don't have at home. Yeah, I was gonna say I would imagine that the one thing you want to make sure when 
especially with like a Carolina Reaper or the Habaneros, grind that thing outside or you're yeah. gas the entire facility <laughs> once you start grinding that thing because it, it, it's, it's so if you don't if you've never done it before or you've never watched a YouTube video where someone grinds a pepper as soon as you open it up it's like oh my gosh like yeah water work you might as well have just sprayed uh what's that stuff that they uh, I can't remember it's called right now Carolina Reaper is probably the hottest thing I've ever touched, felt, tasted. Yeah, it, it's that it, it definitely gets out there, and I like hot. I just I don't like hot for no reason. So if as long as it tastes good <laughs> and it's hot, then I'm good with it. If it's hot and it tastes bad, nah, I can't get down with it. Right. So 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 again, we were talking about we were talking about balancing things, yes. right? Yeah. Um. And 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 you know. When you have something as extreme as a, Ca- a Carolina Reaper, uh, you know, I, I wanted to make this. I made a hot sauce last year and I didn't want it to be something where, I mean, your, 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 your body's hurting for three days after you have one drop. Right. So it was important for me to find the right balance. So what I did just to bring down that heat, the intense heat of the Carolina Reapers mm-hmm. was add maple syrup. Oh, I was thinking vinegar would do that. So maple syrup. Well, vinegar, vinegar you're going to add vinegar natural, naturally. Uh-huh. That's going to be the acidity sure. in, in the hot sauce. Um, but the sweetness from the maple syrup cuts that reaper just enough to make it bearable. Very interesting. I did not know that. So... One one of the things you know, I tell people when they're talking to me directly about seasons is like you're, you know when you get a big piece of meat like a brisket or you get yourself yes. some plate ribs you're probably not putting enough seasoning on it because right it's so big and you think that you just do a little sprinkle 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 and you're good and by the time that thing is finished cooking all of that's gone gone so uh, I tell people you can definitely afford to put more seasoning on, but something more delicate like a wheat, white meat, like a pork or mm-hmm. you know, like a pork chop specifically um, or a chicken. What What's kind of your approach when you're trying to season those type of meats? So with, with chicken, um, I'm going to do a wet brine. That's probably the most important step um, for me. To, to infuse flavor. Um, you know, I'm, I'm putting lemon juice. I'm going, you know, a nice salt brine with some peppercorns. I'm adding my aromatics to the brine. I'm putting the chicken in that liquid and I'm letting it go overnight, if not two days. Oh, interesting. Because generally, speaking, oh, up to two days. We, we, we try to stick to the 12 hour rule, not to really go past 12 hours. Um, but I guess okay. you're, you're because you're putting so much more stuff into your brine, you're probably looking more at like a brine slash marinade, um, yeah, kind of mix. And then, um, so and your typical brine starts, you know, cup of cup of salt, cup of cup of kosher salt specifically, and cup of brown sugar. Mm-hmm. And then from there, you're adding in a bunch of aromatics like, uh, you know, thyme or rosemary or something like that. Is that is that was what you were alluding to? Yes. Thyme, rosemary, um, bay leaves, peppercorns, mm-hmm. um, and I like to I like to cut lemons and, and quarters, uh, squeeze them and put the lemons sure. in as well. So Rod likes to boil his brine first, cool it off, and then use it to concentrate the flavors. Is that a, a technique that you use as well, or are you just like ah, I ain't worried about it? It's going to get in there, and regardless, what where are you at with that? 
Well, I, I understand the boiling because, you know, heat activates fla- those flavors, right? Mm-hmm. So you're going you're gonna to use the heat and boiling to activate those. Again, the, the science behind it makes sense. Um, so I'm definitely not mad at that. And it's not something that I was doing, but I understand why, why, why one would do that. I, I also do it. To <laughs> like, you're wasting my time. <laughs> I also do it because one of the things you're trying to do is dissolve the sugar and the salt. And if you when you bring it to a boil, the sugar and salt just is dissolved in the liquid. So it's like, all right, now that I've done that, and I usually do it with a very low volume of water, because then I can add ice and I can add the colder water to it, and then I'm ready to go. So it's for me, it's really just about I want to get that that sugar and salt quickly dissolved. Obviously any of the other things that you can put in the brine, I, I feel it helps infusing flavor, but again, I could be wrong. A question for you. Cause you, you mentioned with the Carolina Reapers, you um, with maple syrup, have you ever done like, were you like, I know that many restaurants may not necessarily have a breakfast service, but I know often you'll see people do like, um, like a jalapeno maple syrup. I would imagine the Reaper with the maple syrup, since you're saying it cuts it down, is that something you do with like waffles with a Carolina Reaper maple syrup like type of yes. blend? Is that you play around with that I, kind of stuff? So as well? I like to do when I on my fried chicken, I like to do a spicy honey sauce. Okay. Um, I just think I just think um, you know with a little sweetness, enough heat hits it right on the in the back. And where you want it to hit, you don't want to get it on, on on the front. But if you get just that subtle heat on the back, again, completes the the, the flavor profile. I'm a so, big fan of sweet heat. I'm dying to try some of that. Uh, what's it? The Tennessee hot chicken, um, uh-huh. where they you know it's basically dipped in like the ridiculous hot sauce, and you know it looks so good. I'm, I'm want to go get some authentic one. I think there's one in New York that does it. A lady that in New York, and then there's somewhere down south. Go ahead, Rod. Though, so I think one of the challenges I think Chris runs into is when you cook something very well, like he does barbecue very well, and then you go to someone's house and having a barbecue, you're like. Ugh. I gotta, I gotta <laughs> slug through this. But you're a you're b- being a, a a trained chef when you go to your friend's house and they're cooking. What, what's the common? I'm not trying to call anybody out here. What's the common mistake you usually find with home cooks that they mess up on? Is it not enough salt, and pepper? Not enough this? Not enough, like what? Do, what do we typically do wrong as people who are not properly trained that we could up our game and make our food a little bit better? Um, one is seasoning. Um, and one A is probably just patience. Um, so when you say so seasoning, we're, you we're too little in the seasoning, or we're not too, using a too, good uh, come variety. Come on, get in there, get in there. Put you put that stuff in there. Um, most most home cooks under season. Um, and, but again, and, and I have a I have a different palate from a lot of the people that would would try and cook for me. I have a salty palate. Um, so. People are just it's, or it seems like they're afraid to season the food, you know, and, and I and I think you're doing yourself a disservice if you have to go in and season it. Add something to it after it's already been cooked. Right. Yeah. I always, um, I always look at my, you know, when my 
nephews used to come over and I would do some burgers on the grill and they'd be like, where's the ketchup? Like, it doesn't exist. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I was like, you bite that burger. It doesn't need any ketchup. And they're like, but, but, but I like bite it. And then he bit into it and the juices started oozing out of his mouth and dripping down his face. He was like, I've, you could see the the look on his face that he was like this experience i have no idea what's going on right now it's like that's why you don't need ketchup now get out of my yes um but again so we said seasoning being one um two is is patience patience. yeah it's patience you know we're talking about i mean it's a barbecue podcast so we can talk barbecue a little bit i did um at work i did a pop-up today um, I did a barbecue pop up. Oh, um, ironically, now talking that language. And I did, I did brisket and pulled pork. Um, and and I and I this. Oh, you got to give me a little. Just give me about five minutes to tell the story. Go. So, at at home, we we um we had to cut down um, a blackberry tree. So I saved the wood, and before. I, when I'm whenever I need to smoke something, you know, I'm using cherry wood. Cherry wood has been my go-to for smoking for years. Um, I am a newly converted fan of of blackberry wood. Blackberry wood, it it burns slow, and it and it smokes really. I think it smokes better than cherry wood. And the smoke ring is actually purple. That makes uh, that, that's what I was about to ask you as you told the story, because one of the things that I like about using like a cherry wood is the redness that it adds to the meat. So I tend with, to use yeah. that with a beef. So I was going to ask you what yeah. kind of what kind of finish you get with the with the I've never used it before. I've used a lot of woods. I've never used that. So go ahead. Um. So so I had some I had some cherry, uh, some blackberry wood um, at the house. I took it to work. And I put the rub on my meat on Friday. So I left it Saturday, Sunday. Wow. Yeah. I left it Saturday, Sunday. Um, came to work on Monday morning, 6 a.m. Dude, I, I, I'm, I'm firing up the smoker. I let it smoke slow. So actually, I want to pause on that. Because mm-hmm. typically, you know, uh, you know, we're told don't put your seasonings on too early, especially with salt, because it pulls all the moisture out. Right. But you put seasoning on a brisket, which had to have contained salt, two days in advance. Yeah, I'm waiting to hear the end result. But keep going, man. You got me. Hooked. Yeah, and and again, it's I think it's all about balance, right? I think it's all about balance. So so my rub is is brown sugar based, mm-hmm. and and brown sugar is the star of the rub. And everything else is just a co-star. Interesting. Okay. So real Inclu- quick. Including salt. So are you, do you inject your briskets or uh, not? No. Okay. I don't, I don't, I, and I use dry rubs. I don't use liquid rubs. Yeah. Um, a- I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't inject. Um, and again, simply because I want, I want the, the, the flavor of that meat. Mm-hmm. I want the flavor of that brisket to stand out. I don't want anything to be added to that. I only want it to be accentuated. Yep. And, you know, this is why I ask you this because, you know, I, I do both, right? I'll inject, there's plenty of times I'll inject a brisket and there's times where I won't inject it. I'll just let it go and, and do its thing. And I enjoy both. 
And uh, I always feel like my injected briskets, because I like to inject with like a beef broth to kind of solidify yeah. that beef flavor. So it's not not as not to change it, but just make it even deeper into the meat. So that's my favorite thing to inject with. But I always love seeing and hearing uh, what other people are are doing uh, with their briskets, especially somebody as, you know, as accomplished as you. So do you ahead. sell your seasoning? Do I sell it? Yes. No. I, okay, and, and, just, and, just check if it. You tell if, we, me, if you tell me that I should, you'll be the second person in the last three months that told me I should package my rubs up and sell them. I don't know if you should sell it yet. I'll have to, you'll have to whip me up some. I'll have to do a break. <laughs> then I'll let you know. All right, if, you, if you're on or something. Fair enough. Yeah, right. fair enough. <laughs> yes, fair enough. Um, I, I have I have one other thought too, um, but I lost it. Okay, while you so, while you're thinking of that, how big was this brisket, and how long did you smoke it for? Um, so I had I had two twenty pounders. Okay. So um, about, I put up about sixteen hours, maybe total between smoking and resting. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. I I put them on. I put them on at six thirty. I took them off three thirty four o'clock, and I let them rest overnight. Oh, you rested them overnight? Interesting. Yeah. So, so yeah, you have? A, I'm assuming at work you have a warmer, so you can rest them in the warmer overnight, or? No, I, I kept. I keep them at. I keep them at room temperature. Okay. Until they come down, and uh, just because of of hazard, you know, regulations, everything's regulated. Sure, sure, sure. When you're in a in a commercial environment, you have to cool them down to 71 degrees Fahrenheit mm-hmm. before it goes in the refrigerator um, or before. Yeah. Yeah. Because otherwise it's going to bring up the temperature of the refrigerator and spoil the rest of the food in there. Um, yeah. But so, so I, I let them, I, I cool them down overnight and I let them get really cold. And I, my thought was, you know, maybe I'll put the brisket on the slicer because I wanted all that fatty, t- fatty tissue that broke down during the smoking mm-hmm. to recoagulate. Sure. Yep. Okay. Um, just, just, just so that it's a cleaner slice, yep. right? Yep. And then, and then when you reheat it, which I did today, when I when I, when I did the service, um, it all just melts again. So, so were you doing thin slices or thick slices? Um, an eighth of an inch. Okay. Yeah, an an eighth an eighth of an inch, um, a nice thin slice, because it, it just chews better on a sandwich. It, you can eat it. You can. You don't need how to put it on anything. And then, um, okay, so the how did you reheat it? Because this is a question that Rod and I wanted to get into you with, um, which is uh, sous vide. But how did you reheat this particular brisket? Great question. Um, because I, because I cooked the, I cooked it dry, mm-hmm. no, no sauce on it. Um, you know, just the rub and allowing that, that slow cook to give it a nice crust. Yep. You can argue it. Yep. When I re I slight, when I sliced it, I sliced it cold. Yep. And I, I make a, I make a, a, a bed of sauce. Yep. And I, I put it in a sauce sliced. And reheat it slowly about 225, 35 minutes. Yep. See, Rod, all this time you think that I'm be talking smack, but your boy knows a thing or two. You know what I mean? 
<laughs> yeah, because that's the method we would do as well. We would cook uh, when we did roast beef. We would cook the roast beef, cool, it, you know, let it rest, cool it. But then to reheat it, we would use the hot au jus. The au jus was sitting at like 198 degrees and the, the roast beef yeah. was thin sliced. So as soon as it hit that au jus, it's right back at temp juicy ready to rock and break and breaking down and it's making that ju- the liquid that you put it in yeah it's making even, it even better, better and better oh and better. so yeah. It's, yeah that's yeah. the way to go yeah so you're doing you're doing steak you're 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 selling it more like a steak sandwich and you are selling it like a brisket like you'd sell a typical brisket where you no, just- so- no 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 i'm not okay. I, and i mean i today i i like to do brisket sandwiches you know some texas toast um but this was just this was just sliced brisket in the sauce. All right. So you, I know you did. You said you did brisket. You did other cuts of meat as well. I thought I heard. Yeah, I did. I did pulled pork also. All right. All right. So talk to us about your approach to seasoning a pork butt or shoulder. Yep. This is now. This is great because this is something that um, I just I, I had a lesson learned moment today. And I actually used the same rub that I put on the brisket for the pulled pork. Um, again, brown sugar, brown sugar is my is my go to as a base for a rub. Um, and brown sugar and, and pork just goes so nice. If I'm doing pork chops, I'm using a brown sugar base rub and just adding some heat to it. Um, but but for but for, you know, some pulled pork, um, not a lot of heat, more sweet. Okay. Yeah. Now, I've always avoided brown sugar for like a brisket and for like pulled pork. Mainly, again, you, I'm a novice home cook. I, I'm concerned with the burning during that long cook cycle. How are you? How do you avoid that? Is there? Are you wrapping it relatively early? How are you managing to make sure that you don't get that uh, bitter burn of? Yeah, it's sugar? It's, in, it's very important to manage your heat, right? Yep. So you, you want you want to cook this? So were you doing about two twenty five, two fifty, two fifty, two fifty? Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, two fifty. Um, and 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 again with that with that um. With that um, black cherry wood, so when I'm at when I'm when I'm using the black cherry wood at home, I use charcoal. Mm-hmm. Yep. I had um, uh, mesquite coals. Okay. At work, um, which which don't work like charcoal. I mean, it's actually wood, and it's just the coals, right? Yeah, lump. And the only problem with that is it activates the the, the cherry wood, the black the blackberry wood rather. Um, quicker than the charcoal does. Mm, okay. Because yeah, it, 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 it burns it, hotter. It burns hotter. Yep. So I really had to monitor the heat, the, the, the heat on that versus at home. I, if I, if I'm in the smoker, I can just let the charcoal get to a point where they're turning white. They're not going to activate that wood. They're just going to keep the, the, the wood at a temperature where it's burning low and it's producing a lot of smoke. Right. So what, so at, when you're doing a big event like that for work, what, what's, what's the smoker that you use? Is it an offset? Is it a big commercial smoker? Is it a, an egg? What are you, what are you using for those? Just no, it's a big barrel. I got a, it's a, I got a big barrel. Okay. Big barrel smoker. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I like those. That's uh like that's the kind of the Weber that uh, Tyler was talking about last week, Rod. Yes. Yeah. So it's when a, you're 
when you're you're doing a pop up, how many people do you imagine that at a pop up you're trying to serve? In a seventy five to a hundred. All right. So obviously for any of us backyard people, that's a big cook. And obviously you weren't just serving pork shoulder and uh, brisket, but there were sides to go along with that. Yeah, I did some I did some smoked tofu for the vegan people. Um, did some red beans and rice, some baked mac and cheese, um, homemade applesauce, coleslaw. Um, yeah, that's it. Okay, I'm doing a backyard barbecue. I got uh-huh. 25, 30 people coming over. What can what can what have you learned from the restaurant business that you can impart upon us home cooks when we're doing that big barbecue? Just the, the time preparation to be ready to because it's easy when you have you know I'm making mashed potatoes, steak, and a vegetable, yeah, and we're gonna eat at five o'clock. Food's ready at five. We're all eating. It's a lot harder when you have, like you were just describing, you have too many meats. They're going to cook at different times. You have probably like five or seven different side dishes you're dealing with, and you're going to have this constant flow of feeding. So how are you, how are you, what can you impart upon us as home cooks so that when we're dealing with that, I don't want to say once a lifetime event, but once a year, once every other year event where you're trying to serve a lot of people, what can you tell us that we should do so that we can make sure people getting hot plates, all that kind of stuff when, sure. but you also want to socialize with your guests. Sure. Great question. Um, my approach has been, and, and again, this is, this is something that you learn with experience. Um, but you're going to start the, the, the thing that takes the longest. You're going to start that first. Yep. But before you you light a you light a um, a pilot before you fire charcoal. Um, you are going to do all of your chopping, all of your knife work. So if you need to dice onions, if you need to um, mince garlic, if you need to grind peppers, um, you're going to do that stuff first, and you're going to have that ready. Um, so once you have all of your your little things, like anything, if you got to chop herbs, you're going to do that. All of that stuff is done first. Once you do that, then you're going to you're going to look at everything that you have to cook. If you have to braise meats or, or, or roast meats or grill meats and it's going to take six to eight hours, that's what you start first, because while that's on, you could tackle two, three, or four smaller projects. So everything that you have to, you can say, oh, I can set that and forget it and maybe look at it periodically. That's what you start first because that's all you, that's your background. Then you can do your, your, your sides. You can cook, cook, uh, bake your beans. But while you're baking your beans, if you're putting celery, onions, garlic, that's already chopped. So you add that to the beans. Boom. You drop that in the oven or wherever you're cooking it. Now that's going. Now you, you, you're, you're free and two projects are doing themselves. So you can then continue all the way down the line. And, and then if you don't have any mishaps, everything's done it together at the same time. I, I like what you said because it gets into the art of I think we always underestimate how long it takes 
to do the knife work and chop everything up. Because if you if you're making you know, let's say mashed potatoes, mac and cheese, uh, baked beans, this and that. Like there's items you have to chop. There's cheese you have to grade. There's this you have to. And I, I found what works for me well, um, whether it's before I put the meat on or not, if it's some 18 hour cook, you could probably do it after. But that work that you just described, it's so mm-hmm. important because when I'm working on a dish, there's nothing worse than having to when I want to get to the next dish, it's like, ah, oh, I got to grade this. I got to chop this. I got to do this. Yeah. And it's like all this wasted time. And then like something you put in the oven where you thought I, I can get these two in the oven. One's ready to come out. You're trying to deal with that coming out, this one going in, then you got to get to the next dish and you're chopping again. And it's like, it's, it's, yeah. it's not organized chaos. It's just freaking chaos. Let's yeah. be honest. I've, I, over the last few years, I've gotten much better about doing my prep work, even though I grew up doing prep work, right? I, you know, I used to have to come in and, you know, people listening to this probably don't know prep work until they've chopped up a case of peppers and then, then a case, you know, and pound, mm-hmm. and then, you know, pounded out a case of chicken. You know what I mean? That's like hours and hours and hours of cutting. So I think I'm, I've been turned off to that, but you're right. When, when you have, like when I'm doing Thanksgiving and I got three different dishes that require celery, when I get that celery already chopped up and ready to go, go, I can just grab as needed and put it in, you know, bags of onions chopped up and ready to go. And then I could just add them into the different dishes. And it's so much smoother when your prep work is out of the way everything else absolutely to fall in place yeah so I, I couldn't agree with that more i wish i was better at it i you know easily can admit i'm not the greatest at making my prep work but you know i think what kind of made me step it up uh at least in my mind was uh when i was talking about earlier in this year where i smoked a hundred chicken quarters for my buddy and just realizing the time that I lost in removing the chickens that were done and then putting the new chick, you know, the next batch of chickens on, it was like, man, yeah. I, there goes 45 minutes right there. And I didn't do anything but remove and add. You know what I mean? So when it came to yeah. that, cause I had, I took the day before and I cut all the chickens down, trimmed them up, trimmed off the extra fat. You know, I did, I was really proud of myself that, you know, I took those chickens and cleaned them all up so I could just put them on. But then when it came to put them on, it's like, man, that's 45 minutes gone. You know, just yeah. removing and waiting the temperature come back up, putting the next ones back on and, and so on. So, um, prep work definitely would agree. Super important. So, and, and again, it makes me appreciate, um, my, my culinary journey. Yeah. Um, there is a reason. <laughs> yeah. There is a reason why you start off on the bottom as a, a prep cook and all you're doing is cutting onion, cutting garlic, chopping onions, um, dicing right. potatoes. You said something there. What's the secret to chopping onions and not crying? <laughs> it's got to be find out, You let me know. <laughs> uh, yeah. I was like, in a restaurant, like you guys cut so many onions. I was like, they have had to figure it out. Just no one's like, don't tell the home cooks. Oh, the so look, no, no, no. So foolishness. For me, for me is cut as fast as you can. And, be done. and get the heck away. You know, the, the thing that was always, that I always, I always felt like I was a superhuman when it came to doing stuff because my dad was that way with a lot of things. Like my dad literally could grab poison ivy and yank it off of a tree and he would never mm-hmm. work out ever. Oh, oh wow. He also could cut onions and not drop a tear. 
And I always felt like, oh, I should be able to do that. Yeah, I broke out like hell. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, my eyes are running like crazy. I think over the, the only thing that I inherited from him is the ability to grab. And I think this is just people who have worked in, in kitchens, uh, professional kitchens. You learn, you, you build up a callus on your hands so you can grab something that's pretty damn hot. You know, there's, uh, there's nothing like grabbing a, a metal strainer and you're like, oh my God. And you look at your hand and there's this ring from the metal strainer that burnt into your hand, but you ain't got time for yeah. that, man. You got three dishes that you got to get out into the past. And, uh, so yeah, but, uh, over time or grabbing like, oh, where's my, where's my rag? Oh, I left it over there when I was doing that, but I got this, you know, this food in the, in the, in the hot, in the burner or in the melter. And I got to grab this hot plate out of the burner so I can get this thing. Yep. Out, you know what I mean? So you're grabbing this metal, aluminum metal plate literally out of something that's like 300 degrees and you ain't got no choice. You can't drop it. You got to grab that plate, put it down, <laughs> get that sandwich off, cut it, get it on there, put your toothpicks in it. So all of that is, you know, a, a part of that. So I want to make it, sure we're, res- oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, I want to make sure we're respectful of your time. I was wondering, what's your favorite dish? Like I know you talked about doing barbecue. You uh-huh. trained in French cooking. What if you if you sit down and you're like, I'm just gonna cook my favorite thing. This is this is my jam. What is it? So <laughs> I used to hate getting asked this question. What's your favorite thing to cook? What's your favorite dish? Um, but I mean, you kind of made it easy for me. Um, you know, for as and and you know my my love for barbecue. Um, goes back. My grandparents used to have a a barbecue spot in Tyler, Texas. Okay. Uh, when I was a little, little, little kid. Um, but I mean, so I feel like it's I feel like it's in my DNA. Mm. Um, but I but I still say, and I believe I believe you know one that everyone can cook. Um, and I and I also believe that there is no right or wrong way right. to do certain things i really it really depends on you know what you like and 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 what works for you um there are wrong techniques and there are wrong flavor profiles but you know who's wrong right yeah if i like it you know what i mean it's like right. you know it's <laughs> right right and that's one of the um, things but, we always try to i'm sorry push. i'm sorry chris let me answer Rod's question yeah yeah, um, yeah. but to answer, to answer your question um dude my my favorite dish and and i i i, I like the fact that i owned a restaurant and was able to open a restaurant because it was it allowed me to express my my self through my food Yep, and one of my favorite dishes um, at the restaurant, I did a, a duck confit. Ah, um, uh, yes, duck confit. The the term was volé vent, which just simply means wrapped in pastry. So I did it. Had it was you know duck confit um, in puff pastry with uh, pickled onions, a little bit of creme fraiche, and shaved foie gras. I was gonna ask if you like foie gras. Apparently I love foie gras. I love <laughs> foie gras. Oh God, right. I love foie gras. But but my favorite thing to eat, man, is 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 you know duck duck confit. I love confit duck legs. Mm. All right. I've uh, I was I was wondering like one of the I think it's French cocovan. 
I'm yeah. saying that right? That's uh-huh. uh, it's one of the dishes that like for my kids. I know that kids have a different palate. Sometimes they like things, sometimes they won't. But uh, I'll t- I, from a French standpoint, I will make that because it's something that I know that they will absolutely eat. Uh, but yeah, okay, I I like that. Uh, and when it comes to duck, if I always say the favorite style is crispy fried duck at a Chinese restaurant yeah. in. Uh, in the in the UK, oh my gosh! I just it's probably the best place I've ever had it. But um, all right, cool, nice. I, I, I always like to know what people you, like your go to because when you get off work, are you going to cook your own meal? Or are you like I'm just Swanson's in the refrigerator? Type of thing? <laughs> no, no, no Swanson's here, sir. Um, I, I actually do a lot of cooking at home. Okay, that's okay, good. yeah, I do, I do a lot of cooking at home. Um, when I was when I was married, and you know, where I was raising my family, I was the cook. Um, you know, I did all the cooking. Um, my kids loved my food, and I think because I, I was I was a trailblazer or not a trailblazer, but I did a lot of experimenting. You know, at, at, in the home kitchen, um, you know, I, I I feel like I expanded my kids' palate beyond, you know, McDonald's and spaghetti that's made with you know homes. Uh, 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 what's the what's the pasta sauce? Um, DiGiorno ragu, ragu, yeah, ragu, yeah, 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 yeah. I feel like you know making sauces from scratch and you know doing those things expanded my kids' palates, and I and I, I just continue to cook at home. Um, I love to experiment and try different techniques. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we try to when we travel with the kids, we try to get them to try food from local areas. Yeah. Try different things, explore because you find that, again, kids do actually like a wide variety. They do have their comforts of I like this dish when you make it and you kind of make the same things over and over again. But Mm -hmm. there's nothing better than a kid where you can expand their palate and they realize and you go back to a restaurant years later and they're like, Oh, I want that dish. This is what I had last time. It was really good. And yeah. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a great experience. Yeah. I'm terrible at that. So I've done my best to make sure my daughter tries everything at least once formulate her own opinion. Anytime I make barbecue, I'm like, here, come taste this. Let me, what's missing. What do you think? You know what I mean? I'm trying to develop her palate big time because I want her to have an expanded, more expanded. Like, you know, I, I do, you know, the only seafood I do is salmon, right? And I can't eat shrimp and stuff like that. I don't, you know, I had the foie at Rod and Rod's, Rod's <laughs> birthday parties. And I was like, oh my God, I want to go run and put my face in the toilet. You know what I mean? I didn't, it didn't, really? sit, yeah, I didn't, it didn't sit well with me. Um, oh wow! How was it? How was it cooked? I don't remember. We went to that. Yeah, there's, uh, a, there's a restaurant in our area, um, Bolt. It's in downtown Frederick area. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's uh, a Batavia. really nice restaurant. It was a nice restaurant. A lot of the other stuff was good. I just that one was just like, eh, it's not for me. But I, you know, there was other stuff that wasn't for me then that I've kind of evolved into. So I was not into sushi. You know what I mean? And then over the years, I'm trying to, oh, trying to get better and open up my own palate. And so yeah. I've gotten into, you know, some sushi, you know, not everything, but some stuff. And uh, they had it there and I was like, yeah, go cook it. <laughs> Don't bring it to me. <laughs> but now I've gotten better. You know what I mean? I've gotten better at it. So, you know, we I try to evolve and uh, get better with this thing, but I'm definitely trying to make my daughter better than I am at, at it today. And I think I think once you understand, um, you know how how flavor profiles work, 
right? Um, salt, fat, acid, heat, and umami. Once you understand how those profiles work um, and you allow yourself to expand, you'll, you'll begin to appreciate other dishes, you know, such as sushi, um, a lot of French food. I mean, but just different foods from all over the world. You'll be able to appreciate how, you know, chefs have made these things work that you don't think would work. Right. Yeah. All right. Chris, do you have any other? I, mean, I know I, I, I think uh, we'll probably after the show, we'll probably take a couple minutes of your time because I would love if we could uh, include maybe a tip or a recipe or something like that that you might say this is something you guys should try. Um, sure. But we could we could hit that after the show because uh, I yeah. do want to make sure we get you back to your evening. And I definitely, okay. uh, I, you know, we definitely would love to do this again because I'd love to hear your take on uh, sous vide. Um, this uh-huh. is something that we kind of do periodically on the show. We talk about recently I did a tailgate where I smoked some of the food beforehand and then re you know because now i have the uh the, tr- the electric truck so i was able to plug in my sous vide machine and drive down the highway while the food was reheating in the uh in the nice back, back of the truck nice. so i'd love to hear some recipes and some concepts around doing sous vide especially with it being such a french uh you know mainstay in french and i know a lot of restaurants Absolutely. Are starting to use that, so i definitely would love to get your take on that um, Absolutely. And, uh, get your input on that. But uh, as of right now, I cannot thank you enough for coming on here and just helping our fans kind of get a better concept on seasoning food. And man, just just thank you so much, man. I really appreciate you. My coming. guy, listen, it was a pleasure. Um, I'm glad we could make it work. Um, I mean, again, this food is my life. I, I, I can I live, breathe it. I love to talk about it. Um, yeah. And again, I don't think, you know, there's anyone that can say there's an end all, you know, they have the end or they're the Yoda right. of cooking. But I, I, you know, I like the fact where we could just share thoughts um, and talk about experiences, you know, because, you know, this is what makes you who you are as a cook. You know, right. you know, your, your, your passion, um, you know, what you like to cook and your experience in doing it. Right. And then translating that into a great dish. It's you know, something we yes. love to do. You know, right now. Yes. Yeah. We, we, we love doing this. We love talking about it. So looking forward to having another conversation with you about it. Rod. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to getting, getting at one of these tailgates. Uh, hey, man. Yeah. I tell you what, maybe even the next time we do a big barbecue, man, I'll have to make sure you come through and come check that out uh, for sure. Done deal. All Done right. deal. All right, awesome. Rod, you good? I'm good, man. Oh, well, we always do. Well, we always do picks, but uh, I think I have enough tips from, uh, we'll from Calvin from throughout week, the yeah. show. Yeah, yeah, we'll make it tips this week, and then, well, you know, next time we recon- next next year, so we'll go back to doing tips. Awesome, cool, folks. Thank you so much for listening to us. We love the support. We lo- we love the messages. Uh, you know, if you want to become a Patreon supporter of the show, by all means, head on over to patreon.com forward slash barbecue and tech. Um, you want to reach out to us, check us out on our Discord, check us out on Twitter, all of those things. Reach out to me directly. I don't care. I'll answer a question and, you know, we continue to share our food and can share our pictures, man. And we're out. We'll talk to you only guys on the next episode. We out. Peace. Peace.
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.